And that was a great track off a CD which we've been featuring here the last uh, few months right here from Mr. Dean Brown. His latest CD is called Groove Warrior on ESC Records. And this is The Upper Room with Joe Kelly on WVOF. And the track we just heard, In the Basement, one of many outstanding uh, songs from this CD. And uh, it's a true honor to have him finally on the show. And uh, we welcome Dean Brown. How you doing, Dean? I'm very well, thanks. Yeah, what... what uh, I mean, we talked uh, a little bit off air, and uh, the album's freshly out and getting great response. Um, what's been going on lately for yourself? Well, uh, you know, we're just trying to promote this record and uh, and get it out there so that so that actually, you know, it's not really released uh, officially in oh, the United okay. States yet. Oh, I got you. Yeah, it is. However, you know, in Japan and uh, in Europe and. Uh, and you can get it here, but it's it's difficult. In other words, uh, you know, we're looking, we're still looking for a, the right distributor uh, to uh, kind of, you know, because it's not really, you know, the record, and it's mm-hmm. not really a jazz record in a in the pure sense of the word. I, you know, even though I, obviously, there's, you know, there's aspects about it that are, are about me that mm-hmm. are always going to be jazz right right there, you've heard the record and i think mm-hmm. you know you know it's it's something a little different matter of fact a, uh, a friend of mine just called me and uh, said dean you know i've been listening to the record and uh that you gave me um and uh i wasn't sure what to think of it at first because everybody has their uh, own uh, expectations you know after having heard the first record mm-hmm. but then uh you know, he felt compelled to call me, and this is like weeks after I gave him the record. And he goes, "I just want to tell you, I really think it's a great record." Wow, yeah. You know what I mean? And uh-huh. it's like because I think at first you hear it and you go, well, "What is what is this?" You know, and uh, you know, I I just uh, am trying to let people know that that uh, it's just me. That's all. Yeah, right. I I, I was playing uh, some tracks to a, a blues guy today. Uh, you know, he's old time bluesman here in Connecticut and he he was picking up on Shadows. He loved that record. Uh, the oh, song. Cool. Yeah. So he said that was right up his alley, yeah. Oh great, yeah. great. Yeah, I yeah, hope I mean you know, I want people to like it, but I, it's important for everyone to know that, that that you know, I like it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that right. and, and that's that's really important. I think it you know, 'cause I wasn't trying to make a record that would uh um, with the sole purpose of selling a lot of copies or, or, you know, doing really great on the radio or whatever, even though, you know, obviously, uh, you know, there's things, you know, about that record that probably, you know, if, if, uh, treated correctly might, could have, you know, some, dare I say a chance, you know, right, right. in the commercial market, <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's not, that's not the reason I did it. You know, I just did it because it's like, it, it just seemed like I wanted to make a record that was sort of, uh, um, had something to do with where I've, you know, where, where, where I come from, you know? So, so it's anyway. a success as, as soon as you record it and you know, that part of me, cool. it's a success to you as soon as you, you finish it. Oh yeah, right, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, you know it's a painful process, but uh-huh. yeah, yeah. It you know after it's all said and done, yeah. It, it, it before it was ever released, it was a success for me. And, and it's a really well designed uh, presentation. You know, 
with, with, Thank you with so the liner notes and, and you got the lyrics. And of course, you know, I, I do read the liner notes because so, I love to know who's playing on the you know, record. Yeah. Again, you know, I'm a, I'm a child of the 60s, you know. Right. Uh-huh. And so I love everything about that period, you know. And, mm-hmm. and one of the things I most loved about it was the, the beautiful uh, artwork and liner notes and things that were on, uh, you know, on LPs. Mm-hmm. back then and and posters that were you know um not just uh you know a publicity shot of somebody but they were they had some there was some, a little more love put into it than that you know yeah wow. i just really uh enjoy that you know and just want to keep that as a part of uh you know i don't think the things are separate and you know the uh you know the cover art and the the liner notes and and the music to me it's all it doesn't have to be all part of one thing but for me it's it's nice when it is you know so if you just tuned in uh, my special guest right now here on the upper room on wvof is dean brown guitar virtuoso great songwriter and producer and his latest cd groove warrior you can go to uh dean brown.com to get uh, all the information about this great cd and uh, you've got so many great artists on 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 this uh, CD. I figure we'll get into a track which features, uh, you know, a guy you've been working with for many years and, and play guitar in his band, Marcus Miller. Uh, it's it's forever. Right right now, I can't get that song out of my head. We've been playing it on the on the, on the show. <laughs> that, that's outstanding. That song. Oh, thanks so yeah. much. You know, it's funny. Uh, 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 a guy reviewed that uh, from. Uh, uh, this magazine called 20th Century Guitar, and and what he what he said about that song was, and it's one of those you can't get it out of your head whether you want to or not songs. You yeah, know? I mean, it, it just the record's <laughs> funky to me. I love I love funk music. And okay, you know, me too. So, yeah, so, right, you know. Yeah, especially you, I mean, you know, and Marcus is obviously uh, he's been uh, you know fantastically instrumental in uh, in making that particular track happen, and and and. Besides that, I mean, I just love playing with him, you know. So, so let let me ask you, um, you know, you played in his band for many years, and then you bring him in on your own project as you're the boss. How, how does that, how does that work, or is it just a natural? Hey, we're friends. Let's let's record. Well, I'll tell you, uh, it, it, you know, we were working on something. It was a serendipitous thing. We were working on something for him at the time. That uh, um, he's uh, has a. Uh, a DVD project that I think is uh, slated to come out later this year. Obviously, he has a new record mm-hmm. that uh, is just about to come out, and I think they're going to, uh, you know, delay the uh, release of, uh, at least based on what I read on the website, which right. is where I get most of my information. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, but uh, is that they're going to delay the release on the DVD uh, until... Uh, I guess until get let the record get some legs first, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, this while we were working on that, we were in his studio, and I and I took the opportunity uh, to say, "Listen, man, there's two tracks, you know." And instead of me, um, um, like typically, I would just send him the stuff, and he would be gracious enough to uh, to uh, you know overdub the bass on it but i but it was really important for me to have live tracks mm-hmm. on this record and you can hear it you know that the that the the uh the rhythm tracks in particular and and even most of the solos and this and that are actually live and, um you know and that for me is a 
I can hear it immediately on somebody's record, and I can certainly hear it on my own records. You know, and that's been an agenda of mine in my short recording career. Right, right. But uh, to try to to do that, so he was. He said, "Well, cool. Well, you know, we'll do it. You know, as you know, we'll do it. It'll be a good opportunity to get some uh, live footage of us playing. You know, while uh, uh, while they're shooting this DVD thing. You know, I said, okay." fine you know so that was uh that's kind of how that that worked out so we recorded uh the two tunes uh that that day um in at at hannibal which is marcus's studio in uh um santa monica and you can also hear on lead vocals dean brown and yes the brother can sing and and uh great to hear you on there and and you know people going back way back you you were had fronted a group back in Europe, right? Actually, uh, I fronted a group back in, in, it was in, in Korea. Oh, Korea. Okay. Yeah. 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 From, uh-huh. Yeah. I was, it was like, uh, you know, I worked more then than I've ever worked since. I was a kid. I was like, you know, 14 or no, excuse me. I was 15 and 16 mm-hmm. at that time. And we worked seven nights a week, you know, at wow. the club and, uh, so my grades suffered quite a bit. <laughs> I had to work really hard my senior year of high school to even, even uh, you know, get uh, the to diploma, graduate. Right? So, but so, yeah, we'll, we'll get into the track right now. Um, this cool. is from the Groove Warrior, Groove Warrior CD, Dean Brown, and we'll come back and speak more with Dean. And this is entitled "Forever." And we just listened to another song from the the outstanding CD. It's available. Um, I believe overseas, you said right now on ESC Records, and that's right. It's soon in the U.S. and get the distribution and everything. Oh, uh, you go ahead with the info. You know best. Okay, well, <laughs> yep. it's 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 been out in Japan, and apparently, uh, from what I hear, it's doing well there. Mm-hmm. And I'm headed there with Marcus Miller uh, uh, in a couple of weeks to uh, we're touring the Blue Notes over there. So uh, um, I'm interested to see, you know what the response is, although, I mean, uh, from what I hear, it was good. And then uh, it's also available in Europe. The record label is actually out of uh, Germany, so one would think that it would come out in Europe. Yeah. You know, when, when you're, I mean, you're based out of here, uh, out in New York, um, but getting the label out in Germ- Germany, did you seek that, or, or they came running to you? or uh, how they, that Actually, I had been a, uh, a friend uh, of uh, the... Uh, the label manager, whose name was uh, uh, Joachim Becker, mm-hmm. and uh, I'd known him for years. He, we had had many discussions back, like when I used to play with the Brecker Brothers back in, uh, um, I guess ninety four, around that time, ninety three, ninety four, and uh, and uh, he had, uh, you know, we've had a couple of lunches, you know, the typical thing. Oh uh, well, uh-huh. you know, and nothing really came of it, and then. Uh, um, uh, it's, it's very funny. There was uh, Michael Brecker played a fantastic solo on one of uh, the tunes on the first record. I don't know if you remember. There was this tune called Solid. Okay. And uh, anyway, Michael played on that, and we had done it as sort of a, uh, 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 you know, I was unsigned at the time, and I got Michael and and uh, I got uh, James Genus and Don Elias and Skylar Deal and Rocky Bryant right, okay. uh, to go and, and uh, do a live thing at, uh, at a little, small little studio in uh, Queens. 
And I played this for for uh, Joachim back then, like in I think we did this around '96, '97, something like that. And later on, I was working with Bill Evans, and uh, Bill was a big champion of mine, and really, you know, he was already signed to that particular label. And so, and Joachim happened to be the label manager of that label, so. Uh, Bill was like, man, you you know, you should do something with this guy, da 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 da. And Bill bugged uh, uh, Yoakum enough to uh, get Yoakum to uh, to you know sign me, right, <laughs> right. which he already liked me anyway. It was just you know, it's one of these things. I guess it had to incubate. So right. so I and I played him some of the tunes that I had in mind, and he was psyched because he's like a real funkster, you know. And he and that record obviously has a, a lot of. Uh, groove-oriented material on it, you know? Yeah, you and, worked... Oh, go ahead. Uh, no, go ahead. You can finish. Yeah, I said on, on that record, uh, you work with uh, some of the top players out in Minneapolis, and how'd you uh, get hooked up with Michael Bland and, and Ricky Peterson that, for those right, who Right, right, exactly. Yeah. Well, see, so anyway, like I said, he was... Uh, it, this thing, I'll, I'll get to that. He, okay. uh, he was, um, you know asking me about material, and I played him some stuff, and he was psyched about it. And then I said, you know, I got this tune that you already heard, because I played it for you. You know, I sent you a, a, a CD of some stuff uh, like three, four years ago. And, and I said, you're listening to this tune. So he listened to it, he goes, oh, this has to be on the record. And I'm like, well, why didn't you think so three years ago? You yeah, know? Right. <laughs> you know, but uh, anyway, uh, you know... So it wound up on there, but uh, but uh, so that's how I got the deal. And then um, Ricky, you know, had a great idea. Ricky Peterson, as you were just mentioning, a great uh, one of the premier B three players in the world. And uh, and Ricky had a, an idea, you know, because he has a, a studio in Minneapolis, and and he said. Why don't you come out there and record? We get a great sound. Plus, I, I you know, maybe I can get uh, Michael Bland to uh, to play. And and uh, Richard Patterson, you know, lives in Chicago, which is not that far away. Mm-hmm. And so we could do a session there. So that was another live session, and that ended up being the uh, the first yeah the first, the first tune on that record, right? Which was like a jam that we turned into something, you know. And then we played. Then there was another tune that we did, uh, which was sort of a uh, uh, a blues, you know. That was and Michael Bland was just phenomenal. And, and of course, your uh, musicianship and touring goes way, way back. I mean, I I didn't even know this, but uh, I'm a big fan of the band Vital Information, and and you were one of the original members, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. I played on the first like three or. I guess three records, something like that. Right. And the first record, it's unfortunate that that record was not uh, has not been re-released. Uh, Steve Smith just sent me a copy of it just for my own just for my own head. You know, mm-hmm. and the record was called Vital Information, and it, that record, uh, uh, you know, it was really cool because it was the no keyboards and two guitar players, and the two guitar players were me and Mike Stern and. Oh. Um, and a great saxophonist uh, named Dave Wolchewski, and a great bassist, Tim Landers, okay. who, uh, who I uh, also played with, with uh, Billy Cobham. And, um, which, you know, uh, and Tim and I had played together before that in, 
in, in Boston with uh, Tiger Okoshi, a uh, great jazz, not only trumpet player, but a great writer and very influential to not only myself, but I'm quite sure Mike Stern and anybody else who uh, had played in his band, you know, uh, from back then. And uh, you also uh, attended and uh, Berkeley College of Music. We were just up there uh, for the John Blackwell uh benefit concert for his daughter who passed away but what was the experience like going to berkeley and and then getting out and and uh, making it as as a a musician full-time you know berkeley just seemed like the obvious choice because it wasn't uh it wasn't a legit school and Mm -hmm. they were teaching things that uh that seemed more um well, things that seem more practical to me. Having said that, I was a composition major there, not a, uh, I wasn't an instrumental major, like a guitar major or something. Um, I actually studied for a year or so with a great improvisation teacher, Charlie Benakis, up there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, dare say I got, I got more out of that as an instrumentalist than I did uh, um, from Berkeley. But, Berkeley, you know, the environment and also, the, you know, learning a lot about uh, the uh, um, just the way that a jazz or, or a popular type musician thinks on paper and thinks uh, um, in terms of theory, I think were, were good things. But the best thing about the experience in Boston was the fact that you know, there's so there were so many musicians and fertile minds there, not just at uh, at Boston, but also at New England Conservatory and you know um, Boston University. I mean, there's a million schools. It's a college town. Right. Know? Yeah. Um, so there were a lot of places to play and sort of experiment and and write music that otherwise wouldn't get heard anywhere you know and then get and get a chance to play that live and so it was sort sort of like a big giant you know science lab of creativity for musicians and it, i think continues to be to a certain degree and i think that's the best aspect about it while i was up there i mean it was me and um you know mike stern and kevin eubanks and uh uh, guitarist Jamie Glazer, and um, I'm, uh, I mean, just a lot of guys. There's a guy that's still up there, Jeff Lockhart, who left left-handed, funky left-handed guitar player, fantastic, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, just uh, a lot of really great guys. And oh, Bill Frizzell, mm, you know, yeah, I right. graduated at the same time. Wow. You know, it must so, be some uh, nice reunions when you guys get together. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. you know, it's, yeah, it's for sure. Right. Well, another great uh, song and interesting uh, track off the record. I think we should get into maybe talk a little bit before we played is uh, the Divining Tree, which features yourself on spoken word. And I have to ask you, what what is a Parker Fly guitar? Oh, okay. Um, Parker uh, is a company that built a uh, a guitar. Um, they're they're made of they're wooden and except for that there's they're made somehow cut by like computers and they have like um they're very thin mm-hmm. and very resonant and uh it's an electric guitar except okay. for that it has a special pickup in it that makes it sound more like an acoustic guitar if you want it also has the regular 
you know, straight ahead magnetic pickups too. But uh, not to be too technical about it. But the, I'm, I don't really know the the true. Uh, I think you'd probably be best off going to their website to find out how they're built. But they're uh, the guitar weighs like three pounds, and it uh, and it's extremely loud acoustically for something that light. So so it's very resonant. So it gives it a. It sounds much bigger than it really is, you know. And uh, actually, uh, the tune that you were mentioning before, the one called uh, uh, Shadows, mm-hmm. right. strangely enough, I mean, if you hear it on this song, it, this song that you're referring to, The Divining Tree, it has this sort of, I don't know, um, like like a acoustic, you know, steel string acoustic quality, but some, it just sounds, it has, it's very papery and thin and just wispy, you know. Uh, but on that song, the one called Shadows, it's a full-blown, you know, Carlos Santana, Jeff Beck <laughs> sounding <laughs> yeah, totally know, rock different. guitar, you know. Uh-huh. So it's versatile in that way. Uh, I'm not really doing a plug for them, but I mean. Right. Uh, yeah, I was curious. You asked the question. Yeah, so. yeah. Uh, thanks, thanks for that uh, explanation, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll play it right now. This is from Dean Brown's Groove Warrior. It's called uh, the Divining Tree, and we'll we'll speak one more time with Dean. And that's more music from Dean Brown's Groove Warrior, and he's our special guest here on the Upper Room with Joe Kelly and WVOF right here in Connecticut. And I noticed, um, looking through the line of notes, that uh, a portion of the record was worked on just about five minutes away from here in Westport, Connecticut. Um, what kind of work did you actually record songs there? Um, what I did was uh, that's where that's where the record was mixed. Oh, okay. And not only mixed, but I w- I did a few overdubs over there, and uh, that's that's uh, actually that studio belongs to Michael Bolton. Oh, I got you. Okay. And uh, and uh, Steve Milo is the uh, uh, he's the head engineer there. And he, that's so. That's where we did a yeah, lot. Yeah, he's of got the, that that home studio, right? Pardon me. He he's got a home studio, I think, right? He does. Yeah, right. He does. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I wouldn't call it. <laughs> right. Call it that if you want. But I, mean, I know that house is a cool looking house. I remember. It's just yeah. I used to work around there. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. a full blown. I mean that. You know, it's an entire house. Right. You know, so, right. So uh, it's uh, it's pretty nice, and it was very gracious of him to. Uh, to let us do some work there, right? Um, and uh, and Steve, you know, was fantastic, just above and beyond the call of duty in terms of uh, <laughs> you know dealing with my whims, you know. <laughs> well, you got it done, and it's a great, great record. I, I you know hope you can come down with your own band to play in this area since you're not too far. Yeah, well, I, yeah. I would love to. I I would like you know the the more I uh, you know. Um, get into it the more i i i am hoping to find you know venues for right. for us to play and especially in like uh like you know in that area is i i think especially just knowing that there's a radio station yeah, right. that actually <laughs> that plays, plays stuff you know is really great you know um cuz you're out in long island right mm-hmm. yeah our, our station hits uh right across the water at VOF uh around the, the the side where port jeff is right yeah um right so i won't be hearing it here i'm on the south shore okay. yeah you have to listen on the internet <laughs> okay <laughs> i will do yeah 
Um, you know, you, you talked about growing as a child of the '60s. I, I know. Listen to your your debut CD and, and this CD. You you must have listened to a ton of music. And do you remember the first record uh, you ever bought or, or listened and, and wore out? Um. Well, you know, this is gonna. <laughs> yeah, there's a cup. There's there's a couple of them. Uh huh. There actually, I I can think of uh, four okay. right off the bat. Okay. Which is um, uh, was a be well, you know, I was in uh, I lived in France. I was born there, but then uh, I I moved. My my parents were American military. Okay. And uh, but we moved back there when I was around ten. My mom's a singer, so there's always music around. And uh, anyway, um, the. Uh, the Beatles, obviously, you know, I saw them on the Ed Sullivan show, you mm-hmm. know, and it was like, um, so I decided I needed to to get some of their music, and I got, uh, at, um, there was a record, the way they used to sell records then, in, you could buy like a, a, a 45, but it had four cuts on it. You ever seen one of them? No, I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they they didn't have them in the states. This mm-hmm. was like a European version, and, you know. And this one was uh right. Then I got that record and uh um then there was a Roy Orbison record called It's Over. Okay. Do you know that record? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. famous tune. Mhm. Um and then there was a Ricky Nelson record called Lonesome Town. Oh, okay. I, I don't know that one. But well, yeah. I mean, you asked me, and I, yeah. you know, those are those were the first sort of. Uh, well, mine was Kung know, Fu Fighting by uh, Carl Douglas, so you know. <laughs> and then, of course, uh, it's funny that you that you mentioned that because right now, I'm right in the middle of watching uh, the uh, new uh, um, the movie released, uh, you know, with Jamie Fox. Uh, Oh, Ray. Ray, yeah. Yeah. And uh and one of you know, another one of those records that was in that early collection of mine was Tell Me What I Say, you know. Oh wow. It was, uh, it was funny because it was like I'm sitting watching this rec you know, watching this movie and I'm going, Oh yeah, I remember you know right. <laughs> it's like that sort of that was sort of the time you know, around that time in the uh you know, I'd say mid sixties or early sixties that I was started to be, to actually realize that music was something that you listen to, <laughs> you know? And uh, so that was, I guess, important for me because before that, you know, my parents had tried to get me to take piano lessons and this, and I just had no interest, you know? How, how about um, going to see concerts? Do you check out, when you're not, not performing, do you go out and see other people? Sure. Uh huh. Sure, from time to time. Yeah. yeah. Who who blows your way as far as you know that you listen to when you're driving around Long Island? What, what do you have in your CD player? Oh man, um, it's funny. I mean, uh, so what do I have in my CD player right now? It's, uh, Lucky Peterson. Oh yeah, I just saw a concert from from him on TV. It was great. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, I often have, uh, oh, I have Prince's Musicology in there. Right. Yeah, great, um, great artist. I got, well, I got an advanced copy of Marcus's record so I can learn the tunes. <laughs> How tough is that? 
Huh? Is it tough for you now? Well, I played a lot of them. Uh, I played on the record. I oh, played okay. on a lot. Yeah. But, you know, that doesn't, you know, it's still, you know, his stuff is uh, is um, very eloquent and 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 very elegant, uh, no matter how, you know, no matter how hard, you know, how hard the groove is and how um, simple it is on the surface. Mm-hmm. There's, uh, you know, a, a, an elegant beauty to the uh, to the specificity uh-huh. <laughs> of what of what's going on, you know, uh-huh. that you might not at first be aware of, but when you hear it, when you hear like that band play, um, you know, if you break it down a little bit, you go, wow, they're not just messing around up there you know uh-huh. it's not just a jam session you know right. you know it sounds like like very free you know um one of the guys who, who I, I loved listening to back back in the 80s is on the record playing keys all over bernard Wright. how, how far does your affiliation with bernard go back um we did a contemporary christian record uh, uh-huh. uh back in uh that's the first time i played with him which was in the 80s i was actually playing with kirk whalem Oh, okay. Yeah. At the time, uh, in in uh, Texas, and Bernard was living in the Texas area, and now he is again living in the Texas area. But you know, uh, Bernard and then Bernard and I played together with Marcus Miller's band mm-hmm. uh, after that, and then we became very close mm-hmm. uh, uh, during those those years. Um, I, you know, that was the, like the uh, mid '90s. And, uh, and he, uh, I don't know, he's, he's just truly one of the most gifted, uh, musicians that's ever walked the face of the earth, you know, in my humble opinion. Another great vocalist on here. I mean, we're going down right the roster of, of people okay. here. Layla Hathaway. And, um, you know, you know, when did you first start, uh? Getting into her music and wanting her on the record. Well, you know, I heard her. Uh, you know, first place. I before I ever, probably before I ever realized, she, you know, that she before she ever started singing. I bet I was a big fan uh-huh. of her dad's. Oh right, yeah. Uh, and so curiosity just caused me to want to. Uh, you know, obviously she had she had a brief. But rising star uh, uh, on uh, on like the you know MTV sort of you know actually oh I shouldn't say MTV I should say the on commercial television in terms of getting uh, you know she had a uh, her first record mm-hmm. had some hits okay and uh, and it was you know but she wanted to do what she wanted to do and I really respect her for that right you know, uh, um, as opposed to just you know being a uh, Sort of, uh, uh, you know, R and B flash in the pan or something, mm-hmm. you know, right? You know, the sort of cookie cutter thing that they're doing now. And it's interesting because her voice has influenced so many subsequent singers um, uh, to, uh, you know, that are that have uh, chosen that sort of uh, narrower path, you know. And but she's. Brilliant, and uh, I was very attracted to her first couple of you know those songs. Even though the uh, 
you know, actually, her, you know, that first CD, you know, I'm, I'm kind of stepping all over myself here because her first CD has some a very ambitious writing on it, but it is very R&B oriented, mm-hmm. you know. Right. But it's very, it's so dense, you know, some of the stuff that it was probably too much, some of it, for, uh, for well, what is too much for radio, you know? That's mm-hmm. the problem, isn't it? I'm yeah, guessing. oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, keep yeah. talking, I agree with you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But Layla, you know, uh, we met, um, you know, actually we met through Marcus Miller, but I had known her work previous to that and was amazed at uh you know, not amazed, but just pleased at the fact that uh, that, uh, that the good genes took. You know? Right. So, uh, you know, I, I really want to thank you for finally coming on the show. I mean, we'd love, we always love to have you on. So, uh, yeah, well, I look forward yeah. to someday coming up there and playing. Oh yeah. You know. Yeah, I mean that you have the open invitation. We'd love for you to come down if you want to just come bring your guitar or I take that trio. ring back and use it. Yeah, we'll, we'll be here right here in Connecticut. And uh, if you're listening here on WVOF uh, and just tuned in and missed out on the interview, we also will be airing this uh, on our 24-hour Internet broadcast co-hosted by myself and G. Dusso at UpperRoomWithJoeKelly.com. And you'll be hearing additional music from Groove Warrior and uh, the debut CD from Dean Brown. And uh, thanks so much. Yeah. Thank you very much for having me on. I appreciate it. And, and we're going to go out with two in a row. Uh, we'll get get some funk and some great guitar in there. Um, break song, and we'll seg right into Piggly Wiggly. Um, and I just want to make a ask you a quick question on this. I know there's a, a co-writing credit to Blackbird McKnight from the P-Funk scene. How, how did that work out? <laughs> Juju, the drummer. Okay. He uh, he had said, "Listen, Dean, there's this." Uh, he, he sang it to me, you know. He sang me that this groove. We don't. You're talking about the tune Piggly Wiggly, right? Yeah. Uh, he sang this tune. We don't Right. He sang that in my ear, and I said, "Oh man, what is that?" You know. And he goes, "Why? You know, Blackbird McKnight has this thing, man. You know, it's just it was just a groove of his." But he goes, "But I put a little something different over it, and then I got this other section." Uh huh. And I said. Oh, cool. And then we put a melody on it, and that was that. You know, oh, okay. so uh, I actually, you know, obviously I know Blackbird's work from, from Herbie Hancock and this and that. You know, because, uh, you know, all of the uh, all this stuff from uh, from Headhunters, you know. But, uh, but I'd never met him. And uh, so, you know, I, I guess I should say on the air, thanks, man, because that is killing yeah. <laughs> right, <laughs> but uh, but it was really Juju who brought my attention to that that uh, that that groove that is just phenomenal. Yeah, th- this is real nice and and one of many great songs off the new CD Groove Warrior. You can go to DeanBrown.com and uh, also check out ESC-Records.de and uh, we'll go with uh, break song and right into Piggly Wiggly. So thanks, Dean. Yeah, thank you.